space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. I'm so excited. This is uh, our strange new worlds that I've been waiting to do a podcast on for two years or whatever. It's what where the whole thing's named after. My whole podcast is Strange New Worlds, and it is because of this show that I titled it that. Um, I knew eventually we would get to this. So uh, anyway, we're here, and uh, I'm with my friend Jim, my friend Bob. We're going to give you our thoughts on the first episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Adventures of Pike and Number One uh, and uh, uh, Spock and the whole crew, some of them that were characters from the original. uh, Yeah, yeah, because they some of them are characters from uh, the original pilot of Star Trek. Some of them are characters from the regular Star Trek that we're used to. Star Trek started out with, of course, two pilots, the first one being with Captain Pike as the captain with uh, Spock being lieutenant, the lieutenant and uh, with um, number one being a female. And they decided they didn't want that. So they rejected that pilot and they had to come up with a new one with Kirk as the main, as the captain and, and uh, uh, McCoy as the doctor and so forth um, that we, that we've come to know. Uh, the joke is, or it's true basically in a way that this is the longest pilot to series in the history of television in 55 years between pilot and what essentially is a show based on that pilot, which is the show that we're doing now. Um, anyway, let's uh, chat about uh, this episode a little bit. Um, Warning, there will be spoilers. Yes, there will be spoilers. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, well, the first thing I guess I'll talk about is that they mentioned that this series, a lot of the press and a lot of the talk is that it's standalone episodes it's not um going to be a big arc that they follow throughout the season of a story arc like they do on discovery and some of the other star trek shows um making it more like the original star trek series but they will carry over things from episode to episode like pike knowing what his future is he talks about that in the first two episodes and he'll continue to probably talk about it or think about it throughout the season and so forth. Um, what I think is unique that no one else I've heard on any podcast and anything's mentioned, but I'm mentioning it. So I get credit for it. Gosh, darn it. You're um, insightful. But- <laughs> if you watch the first Pike pilot, it is exactly in storytelling what this series is trying to be. This series is closer to that original pilot than it was to the actual Star Trek series that came out. The Star Trek series, if Kirk got injured, the next week he'd be fine. You'd never see him in a sling or something from the from week to week, even though he got hurt in the last one. And certainly any kind of emotional stuff they went through was all just shoved to the back and they moved on to the next episode, right? But if you watch the pilot for The Cage, which is the Star Trek original pilot, 
they refer back to an incident that happened the non-episode before the pilot, right? This this make-believe thing. They they start mid-journey and they discuss that. And it's brought up multiple times in the episode that they had this previous adventure. In fact, they'll if you look at the crew members, they have bandages around their hands, some of them. One of them has a bandage around his neck. They have they were injured in that previous episode that doesn't exist never has and they carried it over into the pilot and so this series is going to be very much like that where they carry things over they carry uh, supposedly if a character breaks their leg in an episode they're going to have a broken leg for a few episodes right um i don't think that's going to happen i think it's going to be more of the emotional piece that's carried over but it, it it does yet another way that it ties into the original pilot which i think is kind of cool anyway having said that and, and, and i think i think that can be because more like you say more on the emotional side because you know i mean this is not like oh this is one day and this next episode takes place right. the very next day kind of thing so you know it can be months later mm-hmm. where any kind of physical injuries are, are healed but you're still going to have those emotional uh things to deal with <laughs> from something that happened before. So those are going to last much longer. So those could easily show up in, Correct. in future. So it's more than, you know. They have something. a little uh, like salt sugar thing that McCoy uses to heal everything. So yeah, that's why you don't see him in the next episode. That's true. They, they do heal very quickly. They do. Yes. Yes. That, that is that is very true. So anyway, let's get on to this particular episode. Uh, anything stand out to you guys that you liked about the episode that you didn't like about the episode that was interesting about the episode let's go to bob first bob what what do you got anything that i think oh i like the episode yeah Uh, i like the episodic nature of it the thing that i still don't like about star trek starting with next gen is you know you talk about emotion but they're they're almost all spock kind of spock like in the way they like portray their emotion you don't see like the outburst you see from like mccoy right which I think is more normal. You know, they're sort of like that one, uh, maybe a Nixon episode, but the other number one was talking about how she was like, you know, with the Gorn. And she, yeah. the way she presents it's so matter of fact, it's almost like she's Spock. I, I don't know. There's that. And I think. Well, I the think number one character, you got to give a break to a little bit because she was originally written. Spock was more emotional right in that first in the in the cage pilot and she was the elite one about, that's more like talking, like him but go ahead i'm not talking about rebecca, rebecca john john i'm talking about the other character that's so in this episode there's oh, like two number ones. correct it, does. it is two number one and that, no number two so that's that's good anyway the, uh, the i still first, think that there's Nothing that they did. The number ones are better than a number two anyway. That's right. I would I would think so. And the Lawn is the other oh, number one. Right? And you always have way more number ones than you have number twos anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This, this uh, podcast is going down the toilet fast. Literally. So uh, go ahead, boss. <laughs> I think the only thing that I struggle with is just the number of characters. Yes. I kind of like the old Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and I thought number the Rebecca Jomlin or Romlin or whatever her name is that Romain. character. The original number, the original number one would have a stronger role because she seems like a really strong character in the pilot. Yes, yes. but she's kind of in the background. 
sort of. Well, not really. In the first episode, she's she's captured, so we, we don't really. Yeah, she's you know, out of the episode for a while. Yes, I guess we're not talking about the second one, but yeah, even that one, she doesn't seem as anyway. That that was I liked it, but it still to me doesn't stand up to, to tip toss. I guess. Well, well and okay. I, and I. I think Maybe right now they might be showing a lot more of the characters just to get all of those characters introduced now at this point. And so, you know, you may see some of them, some episode, and you see other ones, other episodes, but they're kind of tying it all together so you can see what the cast is, and then they'll maybe, you know, not have so many. But you didn't, like, you didn't see, like, you know, the security guards standing by the door, right, in the original they go into depth. It just, I don't know, maybe my brain just can't handle it. It seems like there's too many characters. But, yeah. No, I can see just... that. I, I will say this, though, about TOS, the original series, the, the original first season. Had, that's what TOS stands for? That's what it stands for. So I'm just going to help our heard. new listeners. I, I didn't I, want to draw I, a huge attention to it. Of course, Jim won't let that happen. So, so anyway, <laughs> what I was going to say, season one is where they didn't know exactly what they had still, right? They're creating this show. And so they were featuring more of the background characters. You have more background about Sulu, Ahura, everybody in that first season. You, you do more things with the, the, the bridge crew or whatever you want to call it than they do from there on. And a lot of it was due to the actors. A lot of it was due to the fact that Nimoy became so popular and Shatner was not going to let go of the spotlight that it became essentially the show about the the three. You have the you have McCoy, Spock, and Kirk that were the center, and that was from season two on, season eight, and even the last part of season one. But the beginning of season one was more where they were trying to do more with with the other characters, and I believe in interviews that I've seen with Anson Mount, who plays Pike, and with the showrunners, that they are purposely trying to avoid falling into that same issue they do not want it to be spock number one and and pike being the center of the show and featuring every thing centers around them and everybody else is just a supporting character they want it to be they want to have a a her episode they want to have a laon episode they want to feature different uh, of the supporting characters now what it means is We'll have to accept the fact that number one and Spock and um, Pike won't be f- the ultimate feature in so many episodes. They'll be there. Um, and I don't know. It's just another direction to go. I kind of like it this direction. I kind of like featuring everybody. And so I'm fine with this, um, with with the direction they're going with this. In this case, I would say Laon, who is the, I think you say her name that way. Anyway, she's the cons descendant who uh they make me number uh number one the new number one on the show when their number one una or whatever her name is is captured and so the focus is on her being number one and and what happens with that uh they didn't make it obvious which they probably should have that she was assigned to the ship to do that role and so when she was done with that role and they got their number one back she was theoretically, I guess, supposed to be off the ship because he makes a big deal at the end about, no, I want you to be on the ship and will you be on as my security officer or whatever? And she's like, oh, yes, I'll, you know, whatever. And so she I stayed. Didn't, I, didn't like, catch that, I, I didn't catch that she was a descendant of Khan. I neither. Did they say that or is that just something you read somewhere? 
It's just something I know. I, I did I did part of the writing for her for her character, and that's oh, one of the features you're, you're, I included. She's yeah, she's con. And yeah, her other parent cool. is Q. It's Q and Con. They got together and created this this being. No, uh, no, yes, she is the the descendant of Con. Her her last I think I think it's Lon Con. It's her name if I remember right, but it might be wrong with that. Yeah, the they posted quite a while ago that it was uh the Laon the character was the daughter not the daughter she's a a what what is it a descendant of Khan and Khan and a lot of people had issues where they're like why would a descendant of Khan be serving on a starship and so forth but I'm like okay it's a way to use somebody else that's got an interesting background or whatever and and so uh, and she'll have theoretically she'd be strong kind of like Khan is and things so she probably can as a security officer throw people around and beat people up and so forth did Khan ever have <laughs> children i we don't know that I do we not. yeah i guess we'll assume he did i mean right there's nothing that says he didn't so who knows um and then uh and maybe they'll maybe they'll tie in that to the con initiative or whatever they had right from the from picard who knows so we'll see but anyway so, so they made it show that the actor was that the character was supposed to be leaving the ship or something and then and then pike asked for her to come back and be a security so that's where we got left off but go ahead and, and that the, either that actress or the the character I and mean, you ever watched the show uh on uh, amazon prime uh, the expanse i've heard of it no but i haven't watched it Oh, oh, there's there's a character on there that, I mean, to me, it's like almost it's like they sound the same. They look very similar. This one is a, a little bit younger, I think, than the one in the Expanse. But but it's like they're just so so close between the the, the character and the person and the, what how they look and how they act and everything wow. else. It's kind of it's kind of weird. But it's not the same actress. No, it's not the same actress. Okay, but, but they look very similar. They yeah. look very similar. This one's a younger but it, it was just kind of when, when i saw her and she first started talking and how she was acting it's like it's like immediately my mind just went right to that character because right. it's like, it's like well is she somehow re- i was trying to figure out how if she was somehow related to her and i'm like well no that can't be it's a completely no, like, different show different universe different everything yeah yeah Not no to me her, she seemed she reminds me a little bit of uh who, who the helmsman i hear right erica or whatever her name is um that they haven't developed too much, but she has a little snarky attitude and things. But the ones with her hair her hair shaved on the side. Yeah, you're right, right. That one. Yeah. They, they seem sort of similar in sort of their attitudes and things. So they're they're two fairly similar characters, but that's okay. At least so far they'll they seem there. But they'll probably wind up in a relationship somewhere during the season. It could be. I would assume with all the female characters they have that they will do that with somebody on the on the ship. I, I um, thought they would kind of kind of do that with well, in a, in a, with her <laughs> and her, but that's the later. Episode, but, yeah, you know. we'll talk about that for for next episode. But the other thing I, I just thought I'd get since we're talking about characters and things is there are there any characters that uh, well, let's go with new characters. Any new characters that you saw. Uh, that I mean, other than I guess I'm just saying, not you can't say Spock, you can't say Pike, you can't say number one, okay. But anybody else is fair game. Anybody that stood out to you as as a new character that you kind of were impressed with, I myself have really liked from the very 
first previews I saw of her have really liked um, the, the Nurse Chapel. And uh, in this episode, well, just to let people know, I mean, we've seen the first two episodes now, but we're talking about this one. But in both episodes, I think they give her character some fun things to do. And the actress is playing her in a fun way that I just really enjoy a very light sort of touch with a lot of little comedy moments that really seem to work. The actress seems to be able to pull those off pretty well. Um, the, the, I, quick, the, the, the issue I have with Nurse Chapel, shouldn't it be Dr. Chapel? I mean, I mean, the stuff that she's doing and everything else seems more like what the doctor would do, not, not right. what... Well, I don't the, think the they nurse. actually had, did. They even did they say she was a nurse? I think they're they're treating her as like a specialist outside of the not outside of the medical field, but but I, they haven't described whether she's a doctor or not. They just called her Chapel, I think. Her t- title on IMDb is Nurse Christine Chapel. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they introduced her as Nurse Chapel yeah. when they first introduced her. In so she's she's a really specialized nurse is what it sounds like then and and yeah but it's but the way, the stuff she's doing and everything else all right to me is is you know way past what a nurse would do you know i mean it, she's basically become the medical person that you know mccoy no because that's that's mbanga who does that or whatever his name is <laughs> but, but they they developed her more than they developed him so far so you got this sort of lopsided thing but i'm sure they'll be developing him as we go too so that's which is fine but I think, don't have I think they wanted to give nurse chapel the problem is they wanted to bring in nurse chapel and i can see why i think between having uh i think it's a really cool thing to be able to say we have two characters that were originally portrayed by the same actor coming across, right? So, so we had uh, Angel Barrett who played, who played number one, who also played Nurse Chapel. And so these two characters were originally played by the same person, and they're both going to be played by different actresses on this new series. And I see how that would be tempting to do. The problem being that the Nurse Chapel character and the actress has talked about this and so have the showrunners talked about this, that essentially her role in the original Star Trek was to be pining over somebody, whether it was Spock, whether it was some other visitor of the week or something. And other than that, she was just simply what you would totally describe as a nurse where the doctor would say, hand me that or give me this or whatever. And he would, she would do those things. Well, if you're going to have her as a full-blown character on a show like this, you want to develop her, uh, make her seem like she has more to do or whatever. So I think they had to make her like a specialist in the disguises and things that they do. Um, plus, it sounds like she's going to have some other background as well. So that's, I think, why they did made the choices they made, which does seem a little weird. Like she's sort of like a half doctor or something. But we know eventually she does become a doctor. That's what she is in the in the movies and things. But anyway... So what do you guys think about her character and other characters? Go. Well, you know, now you've alienated all of your uh, nurse uh, subscriber viewers by, you know, insinuating that nurses just stand there and, yes, doctor, hand the the doctor whatever they need. I'm not saying they do that. I'm saying that Nurse Chapel sort of did that. Yes. The original Nurse Chapel. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So did you like anybody else on this? Did you like Nurse Chapel? I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, she's mm. not. Oh, wait. What's she <laughs> That's my line. That's my line. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's pretty much interchangeable line for either of you. But anyway, <laughs> that we need to draw your characters, delineate them a little bit more or something. So, yeah. <laughs> But Bob, did you have anybody that stuck out to you that you liked in new characters? I'm maybe to Pring. That was about okay. it. Of course, I loved Spock. He does an awesome job. Um, but the rest of them were kind of like, yeah. Okay. Pring. That, that was that. That was that Spock's to be wife or whatever. Yes. She. I get. I just looked up. She's going to be in twelve episodes. Yeah, she was hot too. <laughs> oh hey 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 that's good information bob let's go back to that she's in 12 episodes i i asked specifically out there on the twitterverse and one person got back to me and i was like i wonder if they knew what they're talking about i said does anybody know how many episodes there will be this season now i know with uh discovery <laughs> stick around like 12 to 15 and with picard it's been 10 every season so I was hoping it'd be closer to the 15-ish range. So if she's in 12, that would tell me they're going to be over 10. So do, can you figure that out, Bob, when you look it up, of how many episodes there's going to be this season? Let's see. You'd figure well, out. Greater than 10. Greater than 12. Or at least 12. Yeah. Possibly less than 15. Yeah, the math works. <laughs> but weird, the weird thing is, I wonder if that's a typo, because... I'm looking at, at Anson Mount, and he's in 10 episodes, and he's the main character, and she's in 12. It must be a typo. Don't see a typo. I bet she's in two. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, everybody, well. uh, everybody else is in 10. Two. If maybe everybody's in 10, then it's going to be a 10-episode season. Okay. That's what the person I, I told me on, on Twitter that it was going to be 10. Oh, man. Oh, well. Because I yeah, was thinking, I, I, in my brain, I was calculating. I was like, okay, they're talking about doing five seasons of the thing. So we'll get 50 episodes if they do 10 a season. But if we did 15, we'd be almost at the original run. The original show had 78 episodes. They'd be at 75. So um, well, it would have been nice to hit five a season. but I mean, 15 a season, but oh well. Yeah, I, Back I to you guys. Maybe, maybe in two, you know, maybe it's a typo. Instead of 12, it's supposed to be two. Because yeah. I can't see. She may show up like again somewhere during the season. Right. You know, I, I can't see her being in much of it because, I mean, in the T-O-T, T-O-S-O-T, T-O-S, in T-O-S. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Well done. In T-O-S, you know, it's kind of like a surprise. Oh, what? You're married? You know, and it's a big surprise about spock and everything else so it's it's not like she is constantly involved in his his life and seeing right. you know her all the time so you know if they were to have her in half the episodes it would like completely be not what that type of relationship was uh, as portrayed in tos agreed agreed and so yeah i think she'll be back and like I, I don't think they'll have her in no more episodes i would assume she'd be in at least one more um, because they kind of left that hanging as to what was happening with their relationship. She obviously wasn't delighted that he was running away, but that ties into her original characterization back in TOS as well. Yeah. Also, I like the way 
I don't know. It, it, you know, for me, it's like if you do the person's hair right and they're, you know, essentially looks somewhat similar. So to me, she was really good. And she reminded me a lot of the T. Pring from that one episode back in TOS back in the day. So I thought she was good casting. Um, and I liked it. I liked that bit. I thought it was a good bit. I thought um, and it was I thought it was probably unintentionally funny, but it was funny that that uh, uh, Pike, we see him. And the first thing we see with him is that he's with some he has a, uh, another captain in his bed, um, a female captain, which uh, I was fine with. And then uh, oh, so enlightening of you, enlightened of you, Daryl. Yes, thank you, thank you. I'm just saying, but uh, then then they then they show uh, Spock, and he's about ready to have some relations with his. It looks like with with his fiance or whatever it is and gets interrupted by pike and so pike not only gets to have sex with someone he gets to interrupt uh spock so that he doesn't get to have sex with someone and with spock i think he has to wait for seven years right or something but anyway so i just i just found that to be kind of humorous but uh and and it wouldn't be logical anyway i i I found that the whole interaction between the pring and and spock and everything to not be completely logical and logically oriented. Yes. <laughs> I, I could see it's like, oh, we want to have an offspring. Okay, well, then we better mate now. You yeah. know, if, they, if they're wanting to be completely emotionless and right. Whereas, uh, but they have to have a pond far. Yeah, but it's like, oh, let's just have some fun here, you know, as I'm leaving, getting ready to leave, let's just right. have some fun, you know. It, it, it seems like that doesn't fit into the whole logic thing to me, but. Right. But I guess they could be relooking at it and going, hey, just because you're logical doesn't mean that you don't like to have sex. So they uh, obviously it seemed like wanted to have sexual relations with Spock, which is not something we would, like you say, expect and certainly not ground they could even cover in the series. I could just see afterwards. It's like, so how was it for you? It was adequate. Exactly. It was it was satisfactory. It was as expected. <laughs> yeah. It was as expected. Oh, okay. For me as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their their uh, whole bedroom talk thing doesn't seem like it would work out the best, but uh, that's, yeah. that's the way it is. Of course, uh, it was uh, seeing Pike in that situation was interesting too because we've never really seen the Pike character in that situation either. And he was like, Oh, I might still be here in a month when you get back and you should call me and we could, you know, get together or whatever. But but we saw them connected before those two. Was it in discovery that that we had seen them connected together or maybe it was just a, like a, a, a short or something like that from strange new world shorts that they were putting out. Was it so? Are you saying we? So you're saying we've seen that actress before? Yeah, we've seen him connected to. to I've seen him with other captains. I didn't relate that that was a captain that we'd seen before, but I had to be in the shorts. I didn't recognize her. Well, I don't know if I necessarily recognized her, but I remember he was like connected to another captain, and they were like doing some mountain climbing or, or something like that. They were doing some kind of mountain climbing. Him and. Boy, you're seeing a different short than I have. Is that like a dream you had or something? I don't remember that at all. 
<laughs> it's possible. I mean, that's possible. Bach, I can see Bach, it either. Bach comes up with like some hover boots or something like that up the side of the mountain. Oh, give you a break. No, no, it's there. I tell you. It's, 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 sounds not, like, in my, uh, not in my you're head. You're giving us a storyline from, from Star Trek V. No. No, it also sounds like um, well, maybe the car- cartoon one. Cartoon one. <laughs> I don't was know. I remember. I remember. I'm okay. going to have to do a search and I'll uh, find Viewers, listeners, whatever, anybody that hears this, if you know what he's talking about, then send me in what, what episode we should tune into to see whatever he's talking about because I missed that. I don't know. Um, but if it's, especially if it's with this woman, I would like to see that. I mean, I'd like to, I'm sure that plays into the characterization anyway. But she seemed nice. Uh, Someone online said that that why why are they showing him with someone that looks like it could be his daughter or something? I think they said his granddaughter, and uh, I'm like, what are you talking about? And and somebody looked at their ages and said, no, he's 49 and she's 40. The actress that plays that character is 40, so she's but she is a youthful looking 40 year old, and he looks every bit with his beard and his gray hair and everything. He looks every bit of his uh, 49, so. Yeah. Anyway, um, what? Oh, and what did you guys think about the? They changed the uniforms. Um, I kind of like the original ones from from Discovery that they were wearing because they were essentially designed on the Discovery design. They just they had that strange collar thing that overlaps. But when they turned it into black on 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 his uh, and then his tunic was you know the correct color for command. I thought that looked actually pretty slick and I thought it tied in well to kind of the look of the original series. This one, they're going with that whole thing that they did with um, the Star Trek films where they have the black t-shirt on underneath. And then on top of it, they have a V-neck. And so, so you can see a little bit of the, the black. So it gives you sort of a, I don't know, a modernized look of the original Star Trek. I don't know. Um, to me, it makes Spock look like he has a, like he has a really long neck now. But <laughs> anyway, what did, what did you think of the new uniforms? Um, not enough miniskirts. Okay. <laughs> they did have them. I mean, they, they did bring back the skirt thing, but it's like with a pant, pants underneath yeah. it or whatever. Yeah. Like underneath yeah. something, yeah. yeah. But did you know, I mean, because I don't even know if you guys know, but on the original pilot, there were no miniskirts. They all the women were in pants. The same. They not the same uniform as the males. That they uh, were more form fitting pants. And then the 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 shirts they were wearing were more like if you remember Nurse Chapel had like this big collar she used to on the on the original series. And they in that first season in that first episode the female characters had these kind of big puffy collars on their outfits so they did look a little different but this is the first time you know they've historically shown the the miniskirt design i think i I think that's a really good looking design very attractive and the 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 women on the show have mentioned that they really like to wear the that it's comfortable to wear that and and they think it makes it's a very flattering look to them so i i think that's why you saw number one and uh uhura in in that mini skirt sort of design well i mean that's popular with women as it is you know kind of the 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 short skirt long shirt leggings you know where they have the shirts 
shirts, dress, or whatever that you know would would normally be prohibitively short, but then they have leggings underneath it. I mean, you see that just in in general society, so it's not yes, not that unusual. Yeah, so I I thought it was kind of cool, like you said, right there, in that they tied in a, a look from the original series to a modern look that we have with leggings and things, and so they made it work and not seem like they were being sexist or anything like that. So. Right, yeah, exactly. Although I do find it strange, though, that Nurse Chapel, her outfit doesn't seem to fit. It's completely different. Yeah. yeah it know, seems more like she'd fit on the, on the Discovery right. or something yes, like that. Definitely, yeah. definitely different. Yeah, but, it, but they made it seem like she's not really a member of the ship. She's like, they described her as like a Actually, it reminded me of like the movies. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It reminded me like the 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 movies, the original series movies that were out and stuff. Her her outfit was more. Yeah, I'll go with that. But 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 did you guys get the impression? I mean, did you get the impression too that she's not like a regular member of the crew? That she's like, I don't know, for lack of another term, like an itinerant visiting person or something. I don't know. It's like yeah. Yeah, it was, it's kind of strange. I don't know. Yeah, I, I assume they're going to eventually make her be like, oh, why don't you just join the crew? Or, you know, who knows? I mean, Pike will do one of those things like he did with Lawn and invite her to, to be part of the regular crew. But at this point, she's been in both episodes, featured probably more than a decent amount of the cast. And so it sure seems like she's kind of a member of the crew, but whatever. Um, oh, oh, yeah. Well, we can't talk about that. That's for next episode. So you know, they the have got through like, an entire episode without killing somebody in a red shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, I think that. they said they're going to try and and not do that. They're going to try and stay away from that. Uh, they need to bring that back. That was, kind of that iconic of the of TOS. Yeah, they want to make it where you never know who's going to bite it or not. So we'll see. Um, did the well, how did the whole Kirk thing play out for you guys? Well, that was pretty pretty minor. I mean, it was just like oh here look, there's a Kirk on here. It I mean, felt it to me like a little bit of a stupid joke that they were throwing on the audience. Like, oh, make sure I get Kirk. It's really important that I get Kirk on the ship or is Kirk here yet or whatever. Making everyone yeah. think it was going to be an introduction to James Kirk. And of course, at the end of the episode, it's his brother, Sam, that is uh, on the ship. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't, you know, it didn't do much for me. Yeah. Well, and you guys know Sam on the original TOS was Shatner, right? What? Shatner, Shatner, all we ever see of his brother is we see him, I think we see him dead and we see his back. But we we do see a picture of him. And the picture of his brother is Shatner with like some gray hair they sprayed on, I think, and then a mustache. Yeah, I was wondering if it was the mustache. Again. And it was always a joke about the mustache, Kirk with the mustache or whatever was his brother. And, it, you know, it was, I mean, it was the actor. But uh, but then they actually played on that and brought his brother in. And he did have the porn sort of stash going on or whatever. It's like, seriously. Okay. But, I, yeah. I, I, I'm kind of hoping they get rid of him rather quickly. I was thinking that might happen. But it looks like he's it's staying on. That, I don't know. He's not that enduring of a character either. No, no. It's. Like, I think the only time, yeah, you see him. He's in the pancake, flying pancake episode, right? 
I mean, they, they, I think, yeah, I think that's the one he's in. Yeah. 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 I'm sure that's the one he's in. I mean, they have, they have enough characters in this series without having to have some kind of tie into Kirk. No. Well, and the thing the fans had picked up on, which I think was another thing that they, I'm sure was completely inadvertent, but they keep showing pictures like on, on YouTube and things of his character of, of, of Sam Kirk and of um, gosh, what was his name on the, on the, the, the movie that was a spoof of Star Trek with, uh, uh, Oh gosh. Galaxy Quest, right? Galaxy Quest. And they had guy and guy, the, the character of guy was this, supposed to be just a background character that he expected to die every episode because he essentially was a red shirt and uh and they kept him on but they never actually gave him a name or anything and it's big thing with i want a name you know whatever and that if you look at that actor and you look at this actor and and uh he had a mustache as well so they looked very similar and so the joke is that he's like they brought guy over into the Star Trek universe is Sam. <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, so I'm just thinking if they just get rid of him sometime soon, it will be, I mean, don't you can't kill him off um, at this point, but I mean, you just, I don't know. I think he's a distraction more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and unnecessary as well, unless you're using it to tie in that you say, he says, Oh, I talked with my brother, Jim and whatever. And cause they're supposedly going to introduce young Jim Kirk next season um character without a mustache so they're just going to remove the mustache (laughs) right that's what i was wondering too but no it's played by a different actor i think he doesn't look like kirk either that guy he's only according to imdb two episodes we've already seen him twice right yeah oh you're foreshadowing episode two now well yeah well we're just saying he's in it but he's not so he's not in episodes after that huh wow okay that that works for me but uh yeah and then and then i'm hoping that just kirk is going to be in an episode or two next season and not be like a regular but as far as i know he's on the he's supposed to be on the farragut which is the ship he was a lieutenant on or something so i assume he's just going to be on the farragut and they'll have an adventure because well, he never he never served he never served under pike right i mean no, not that pike. we know of yeah yeah I mean, he could have but we i mean we because we don't know a whole lot about pike they could have anybody i mean a hurry didn't serve under Pike that we know of. Yeah, but, but I mean, yeah. on the episode, you know, in, in TOS, you know, when they did the menagerie or whatever it was, or the cage or whatever, yeah. or whatever that one was, you know, where he's on, yeah. tri- on trial and all that kind of stuff. Yes. You know, it, it was, you know, brought up, you know, a lot that, you know, Spock had served under him and everything else and, and Kirk kind of indifferent and, and not not part of that you know having served in Durham and all that kind True. of stuff and, and so you know it could it to, to all of a sudden say oh now he served under him would kind of undermine the canon as far as that goes but yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that you're right so so yeah hopefully they won't do that because that would undermine the canon i agree um but there's things they've done historically i mean like uh con in the second star trek film when he runs into Chekhov and says, I never forget a face. Yeah, he's never saw him. He recognizes him. Well, he was never, they were, they were not in the same, they were never together in, 
in that episode, the original episode on TOS, they never saw each other. So Chekhov doesn't show up till later, right? Till after that episode with Khan. I think so. I wasn't going to say that because I wasn't one hundred percent sure, but my guess would be the Khan episode was in the first season, and Chekhov doesn't join the 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 TOS until the second season. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that was that or just sometimes they wouldn't have some all the regulars on every week. And so it could have been that it was a week that Chekhov wasn't even as a character wasn't on the show. And it was a second season. I can't remember with Khan where it takes place. So Space Seed. I'm pretty sure it was the end of first season that Space Seed was on. So anyway, that's just one of those little things you just have to let go. Um, Anyway, what else about this episode? How about the the scene uh, at the end where they um, started uh, <coughs> where uh, Pike beams down and shows essentially a, a little film <laughs> to the aliens uh, and showing how in the, you know, the 21st century, we had some issues and one of them shows part of the, the uh, uh, January 6th uh, right. stuff going on at the Capitol. Was that, two on the nose should that have been changed should that was that okay i mean i don't know i think i think it doesn't i mean we know we're probably gonna blow ourselves up or could right and it doesn't yeah. stop us so i don't know if it would have really deterred them right correct we're we could blow across the planet we're in it and we're not changing things so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think daryl is talking about it's like you know using that is it because of the more left leanings of the writing staff and production and stuff like that so they they kind of tie in to the start of this whole civil war and cause problems it, it is this uh you know january 6th riot thing um yeah to me it was i mean it was a bit on on the nose you yeah. know um you know i mean star trek has always done stuff you know and, and taken on racism and mm-hmm. you know just equality and, and and all sorts of things but typically they don't they don't kind of take a side politically one way or another and 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 like you like that article that you had sent me you know yeah. where it talked about having uh, uh stacy abrams on discovery at the end of the season right you know it's like it's like really, you know that this, you know, the, you're you're basically kind of making a political statement by having her on, right. and then by setting up the, those um, the January sixth stuff as kind of the starting and the causing of this civil war stuff. They're kind of doing the same similar kind of things. I mean, they could <laughs> any kind of video of rioting and stuff burning and stuff like that. Right. But they specifically wanted to. Somebody somewhere specifically said, "Hey, yeah, we want to use this." Right, and and, and so they, they seem to be trying yeah. to score some political points more than it's a bit of kind of pandering. Yeah, yeah. But why did like so? Why do we need Stacey Abrams on Discovery? It's like it's a TV show about the future. Yeah, I mean, right. imagine yeah. if they would have had Ted Cruz, yeah. right? So, so all oh, the, no. the, the 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 president of of the of the 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 earth or whatever you know it's like oh look it's ted cruz right yeah you know well, and i'll even throw out even even just having any non-actor on a show is questionable i mean when you saw that scene she seemed very uncomfortable she yeah. seemed not to be acting or acting well or anything and so i just think 
this this show would have been served better to have an actress doing that part um would have been more convincing than than she was now i know that would their whole point was to use her so i, I mean i get that piece too it's yeah. just for yeah. multiple reasons it's probably not the best idea also you're, you're alienating half your audience right perhaps it, and that's exactly. probably not the best choice either I, I would like i said i would i would think the same thing if they had ted cruz on there or something like yeah. that really yeah. Why did you put them yeah. in there? Yeah. And the same thing with this particular episode when they're showing the January 6th stuff. If instead they had had a bunch of a uh, bunch of people holding like Black Lives Matter um, right. signs or something like that, interspersed with you know uh, different riots where there were different things burned and things like that, and the saying, "Oh, and then we had this thing," I would say, "No, don't you know? Don't do that." You know, right. Right. you know. I mean, they can have pictures of you know some buildings on fire and people running around. You know, but as long as you don't put it on the nose and, and say, oh, this is obviously January 6th or this is obviously some black lives. Well, I think it's even even a little bigger than that to me, too, in that the whole concept of Star Trek and what this particular series is even trying to do more than and they've said it is trying to do is present a more optimistic view of the future and everything that I think. Being in a way divisive like that isn't living up to their image it should be, i mean it, certainly they can mention that 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 there was going to be a civil war all of that's i think yeah. fine but but like i said shouldn't have been so on the nose and they could have played up the fact that but look how far we've come we'll make it through this that you know the the planet will survive this it's that positive message that star trek has always presented because in a way what they said was oh things are going to get better and it's going to be positive here in the future but back there (laughs) when we live right now is going to be horrible and you guys are going to be in a civil war and you know it's a very negative message to people of today <laughs> so so i don't know if that was the best way to do it. and so, I don't you know. know i think they try also try to tie in the whole so the beginning of this he's watching when the, this was the day the world stood still yes yes and i think that was the whole emphasis or the whole genesis of his speech was that movie kind of yes it was it was yeah. that's how they tried to play it in but it didn't land that i think they no. were just like you were ourselves up yeah, no, I agree, Bob. And 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 if you look at it that way, that that's what they're trying to do, then I think it makes it more acceptable or whatever. Uh, no, and, I, and it wasn't it wasn't such a turnoff to me that I go, oh, I'm never going to watch this series again. I was fine. It was a, it was a great pilot. Like I've said, I, I mentioned to you guys earlier. I think I think this is one of the best pilot episodes of any Star Trek series they've ever launched. So uh, I thought it did a good job generally. Yeah. Just the storyline got a little truncated to me because they had to introduce so many characters and wanted to give them time. But I knew that going in that it was going to be that. And so that was all right. But anyway, go ahead, Jim, you were going to say something. Yeah. And it didn't turn me off. You know, I, I took note of it, but I guess yeah. at, the, at this point, I'm kind of used to Hollywood kind of like throwing some, you know, putting things like that in, in general here or there, you know, right. It, it, it's not uncommon for them to do that. You know, it would have been better had they not done it. Um, you know, I mean, it just, it, yeah. it, it I, I, I took note of it, but you know, this, this, the show is still is really good and I still like it and still going to continue to watch it. I'm not going to take one little thing like that and say, Oh no, I'm not, I'm not watching it. Yeah. 
<laughs> See, I think they should have combined the two. If you're going to have Stacey Abrams, they should have had her on this one. And they <laughs> showed that, oh, everything's going to, to heck. And until Stacey Abrams came up and joined the country together and made us all <laughs> and, well, no, predict the future in that way. And be like, okay. She could, she could have been the leader of that planet, right? Yeah. So, so then she could have stood up and told everybody, yes, they're right. We need to work together. We need to come together and, and together <laughs> for a better future. That could have... That, That'd be, that would have been interesting. Would that have been better or worse? I don't know what that would have been. It would have been different. Let me put it that way. So any, any way that they have her in there is just... It's going to be awkward. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not saying it would be good. I'm just saying it would be interesting. But, I, think, uh, I think what they should do is have, have Pike say, see my ship? You guys better like get your shit together or I'm just going to annihilate you both of you. Well, essentially, that's what they did, right? He, his ship, he brought his ship down out so they could see it. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind I of think- an implied threat. <laughs> you know, if, if, if they had Stacey, or, uh, Stacey Abrams doing the one on that one side on that, the other person that she was going against, they could have had like a Ted Cruz lookalike. And he's just like, no, I want to kill you. Kill you all. Kill you all. You're <laughs> I want to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, this, I, I thought it was funny. They kept on talking about who had the biggest stick. And that, and then he had, he said, I have the biggest stick when his ship came down. Right. And I really was going, boy, I hope those actors really pronounce stick good. (laughs) When they were talking about having the biggest stick, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm almost hearing this wrong. But anyway, let's uh, let's move on. So did uh, anything else in the episode that anyone wants to bring up? Well, when they were talking about the biggest stick, I wonder if they were actually it was kind of a double entendre by the writers. It's like, okay, who has a bigger stick? Oh, see, look, I've got the biggest stick. stick. Yeah, exactly. We're all going to talk about our sticks. Who's got the biggest stick? (laughs) Could have just been a double entendre. It could have been. I don't know what it was, but it was a little weird. But um, yeah, as a whole, as a pilot episode, it's good. I mean, the the one thing we haven't mentioned that to me was my favorite part of the episode and the part that really felt like old Trek was the the landing party beaming down in outfits that tie into that supposedly their society which their society was very fascist sort of looking and very nazi-esque in certain ways and and the whole joke about spock beaming down where's your pants and they beamed him down in shorts and and it just seemed spock in shorts was kind of funny and so it brought that humor that sometimes they'd have in the old series plus the kind of a little adventure mini adventure that they have of the away team on the planet um i liked all that i liked laon saying um can i improvise for a minute or something take action or something and and pike's like yeah go ahead and then she gets spock to use his his uh, nerve pinch on the two guys and i thought it was very good and there was humor in there too of took him a while to realize what she was trying to to clue him into using his nerve pinch and stuff. So um, I, tried. I like that whole thing. So did that stand up to you guys as reminding you of the old schools? I, I see them trying to do it, but they don't quite get there. I don't think a part of it is, I think because I'm sick, everything kind of doesn't, isn't as good as it normally is when you're not sick. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think I'm looking at it through a lens, but it just didn't quite. Yeah, no, I get that. I, I'm not as sold on it as, certainly as some of the 
fans are and some of the reviewers are where they're like, oh, this is the best pilot Star Trek's ever had or anything like that. And and I thought it was good. I thought it was solid. I thought it was one of the best they've ever done. Um, overall, I mean, if you look at the other pilots, there's a lot of semi-weak pilots from Star Trek. Uh, but anyway, um, no, I, I liked it. But but yeah, there's parts of it that felt a little heavy handed. There's parts of it that felt because it's a pilot and they're doing trying to fit so much in. I'm amazed that they did fit this much in this successfully. That was great. But, um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, uh, I, I want to see what future episodes show me. So, Jim? Well, and, they, and, and they had a lot of, um, you know, prior stuff from Star Trek. They, they did, you know, some of it from the, the whole discovery side of things, you know, so they brought it into, into discovery some for, you know, a few episodes here and there. Yes. But but if I remember correctly, <laughs> didn't didn't the bridge on the Discovery look like the old Star Trek? The the, the bridge from the Enterprise on Discovery. Didn't it look yeah, it more like I think it looked a little more like the original. The original series, right? And so, <laughs> so now they've completely changed and updated it so it doesn't look like that anymore. But I'd compare the two if I because I I got the impression it was fairly similar. I, th- I mean, they built this whole bridge, and I think they kept most of it. I mean, I think they changed some of it, right. but I felt like it was fairly similar. Though I would agree, the one in Discovery, the the Enterprise bridge that they had on the last couple episodes of Discovery, seemed more reminiscent of the old bridge than this one does. Somehow, I'm not sure if the uh, yeah, because I thought it was a lot more like the original. They can always go to that place in Georgia down there. Yeah. That sound stage. They have the they have the actual original set. No, I think they want to keep it a little bit different than that. Yeah, I, I just pulled up a picture of it from Discovery and it I mean it, it looks, I guess, basically like what the what they have in in this one. So it's yeah. it's, it's I, I thought it was. You know, it it just, at, some, at the time it looked dramatically different than the Discovery Bridge, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it, it has some, you know, some key elements from the original design. Correct. Except for they've moved the turbo lift before, didn't it? Wasn't it straight to the back? But now it's like off to the side. No, turbo lift's always been off to the side. People always think it's straight and back, but they didn't like it to be straight and back of the captain because it, they thought it was a bad look to have this door opening behind the captain's chair all the time. So it's always been to the side. Strange. It's never made sense. It, 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 as far as the, when you look at the, I saw a whole thing on this. When you look at the, at the models, it is directly behind the captain's chair, and it should always be. But because of for for filming elements, they wanted it off to to the side, and so it's always been off to the side. So there you go. Anyway, yes, I, I was mistaken then. Of course, of course. Uh, Anyway, but, uh, everything. Yes, yes, of course, yes. Well, anyway, let's let this episode go, and uh, we'll uh, talk about uh, the next episode. So, anyway, it gets. It sounds like a winner for all of us, just maybe not as high of a winner as they're saying on the internet or whatever. So, all right, bye, everybody. See you next time, uh, gentlemen. I don't know how to stop this thing. So 
we're just going to go ahead and record the next episode and I'll just cut the two apart, which I can do fine with editing. So, uh, but Bob, do you want to do the next episode? Do you want to wait? What do you want to do? Yeah, we could do it. Or you could, or you could just shut it down right now and start the meeting right back up. We could join real quick. So you have, should have controls. I, yeah, let's, let's try that. Can I try that? Hop back in. If (laughs) if this works, hop back. God knows. Close. Let's see. No. Hey, I see you guys. Oh, <laughs> it came back. So I don't have to, but I'll just close it the old way. This week, we're diving into the all new Star Trek series, Strange New Worlds, with our intrepid Enterprise Captain Anson Mount and executive producer Akiva Goldsman. We will also dig into this week's Star Trek Picard season two finale and discuss everything about it. Yes, especially that. Plus, I've got an exclusive clip from next week's episode of Strange New World, so boldly go to the writing room, y'all. It all starts right now. Hey nerds, I'm Will Wheaton, and this is The Ready Room, your official behind-the-scenes hub for all things Star Trek Universe. The day has finally arrived. Can you believe it? An all-new Star Trek series joins our ever-widening universe, and we're going to be getting straight into the old-school episodic goodness of the series premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Considering the very shiny and new nature of the series, I have to immediately warn you, red alert! If you haven't yet watched episode one, do not let this be your first contact with Strange New Worlds. Likewise, the Picard season finale is jam-packed with revelations and emotions that you're going to want to experience firsthand. So go stream both of these episodes and then come back here for a jam-packed episode full of spoilers and juicy details. Let's start with Strange New Worlds. In this week's premiere episode, Captain Pike is called back to duty after being on leave following the events of Star Trek Discovery Season 2. I am very excited to talk with Anson Mount about troubled, angsty, bearded Pike. And I have a million questions for executive producer Akiva Goldsman, like how on earth did they manage to cram every reference in the universe into this pilot while also creating some very original, very watchable, new Star Trek? Now, let's talk about the season finale of Star Trek Picard. Don't want to make this all about me, but you may have recognized a rather dapper, rather wise, and well-traveled face in the Star Trek Picard season two finale. That was me. Your boy got to play Wesley Crusher again in the 21st century, and I cannot wait for you to see a little bit more about how that came to be. Uh, Second spoiler alert, they did not have to ask twice. But first, while the highlight of the Picard season two finale was definitely the return of everyone's favorite traveler, a bunch of other things went down as well. Let's take a closer look at the incredible, time-bending, tear-jerking, mind-blowing finale to an amazing season of Star Trek Picard. Control room, engage. As I leave, I leave you free. Q is moving on. In your parlance, I am dying. He is leaving behind a gift to the person who he has had the most focus on. You matter to me. We were wondering what to do with the emotional through line of Picard. And we noticed that Picard seemed endlessly unable to stick with a partner that was romantic. And so we thought, hmm, 
interesting, brave man, scared of nothing out there, but maybe scared of something in there. So we built what he was scared of. This skeleton key migrated all over the house. I wish that day it hadn't ended up in my hand. We thought that maybe Q, as his final act, would want to free him. Bravo. Destiny. Left for the little boy you will be in the future to find. He has seen that Picard has been constrained by this notion that he caused his mother's death, which is not accurate. And I'm leaving him free of that. You chose the Jean-Luc you are. You absolved yourself. And because you choose him, perhaps he will now be worthy enough for someone else to choose. And maybe this time you will even give him the chance to be loved. The conclusion of that trauma that he experienced, it's done so sensitively. I think all of us actors did our best to live up to the writing. It's time for me to go. But not alone. Isn't that the point of all this? It was quite an emotional experience for me. See you out there. I, I think a way to look at this season is pairs, partnerships, finding where you belong. So Rios discovers he's a man out of time and stays. And Rafi and Seven work it out. For us, Allison, who is such an extraordinary actress, was always the character who never fit with herself, and so therefore could never fit anywhere else. And so the idea of this romance, strange as it may be, where these two end up sharing a body, seemed the natural resolution to her character, and also the promise of potentially things to come. We needed a friend. Seven, by my authority, consider this a field commission. We touch on in an earlier episode that Seven had tried to join Starfleet after Voyager and that she was shot down because of being Borg. So to see her come full circle and to get that acceptance is fun. And um, I'm excited to see what happens, what kind of a fit it actually is with her and Starfleet. Where's Captain Rios? I'm staying. He didn't really have um, that much waiting for him. Uh, in the future. I always thought of Rios as a man out of time, so it, it made sense for him to suddenly make that very bold decision, because it's a big decision, but of course, if there's a, a, the possibility of family and of setting your own roots, and someone that you admire and, and love is there, then even more reason to stay. Hello, this is for you. <laughs> what I envision for Elnor's future, having known his past, I'd actually really love it if we explored a lot of it. Like, it, we know nothing about his family, his history, anything like that. And I think that's kind of one of the reasons why he always wants to keep moving forward is because he's scared of looking back and, like, what might be waiting for him there. So I'd love to explore that. Oh. With that toast, there's somewhere it's time I got to him. He has had a huge internal shift. And he goes to that meeting, that reunion, with certain intentions and certain hopes. 
it doesn't mean it will work out. There is an ambiguity to the scene. Just because he is resolved doesn't mean it's resolved. She is a woman of, of great pride. She is Romulan, after all, and she's very clear on her path. So there is part of her that thinks no means no, and that's fine. And if anything, we don't know quite how that will be received. We're left with ambiguity in that scene, but it is beautiful. We will see. While time cannot give us second chances, maybe people can. I am now joined by the newest captain of the Enterprise, Anson Mount, and Star Trek Strange New Worlds executive producer, Akiva Goldsman. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here in the ready room today. Anson, you are now not just a Starfleet captain. You are the captain of the Enterprise, and you carry that for the rest of your time on this planet. What does that mean to you? Uh, well, it's... Look, it... Look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is ridiculous, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you, you grow up watching the sh show and it, the idea of being the captain of the Enterprise is it's just something that is so left field that it, it never even occurs to you to put it on your bucket list. And then it's happening. It, it's, there is not a day that goes by that I'm not on set and I look around and go, on freaking Star Trek. <laughs> I'm not just on Star <laughs> Trek. I'm the captain of the Enterprise? Like me? That's insane. It's, uh, it is so surreal, but uh, you got to get past that so you can do your job. <laughs> you know, you got to, eventually you got you to gotta say, why, okay, why not me? If not me, somebody else, so why not me? Let's go with it. Hope that I, they, they keep buying what I'm doing. <laughs> Because <laughs> I don't feel like a captain in my everyday life. <laughs> Akiva, we can see Anson is sitting on what really looks like the bridge of the Enterprise. And uh, I uh, am just crazy about the little details that go into bringing our sets to life. I know I am not the only nerd who watches Strange New Worlds and is doing tons of freeze framing to get <laughs> a closer look at how you have brought this classic starship into our modern era. Anything you want to share about the design philosophy and how you worked with your art department to make this ship real? Uh, the Enterprise is put together by a lot of people who spent a lot of time imagining themselves on the Enterprise. So what we did is we tried to evoke the experience of watching TOS, but with the grammar available to us today. So it still has to be aspirational. It still has to pull you into an imagined future. And so, you know, uh, there's a lot of that, of sort of uh, kind of almost the gut test of designing and looking and designing and looking. But what Anson can tell you uh, is that when we were making the pilot, um, because of COVID, uh, we weren't done. So not only did we have to split the episode and shoot half of it at the beginning and half at the end of the season. Oh, no way. And there are some sets, I won't tell you which ones, that we shot on that were missing walls, um, that we were really building the Enterprise around shooting on the Enterprise, which was uniquely fascinating and kind of delightful and awful at the same time. Um, that's 
fascinating to me. Um, so Anson, I'm not sure if this question I had prepped to ask you actually makes sense. And you, please tell me if it doesn't. We got to see, you got to see a little bit of the Enterprise when you were uh, working on Star Trek Discovery. Now it is your Enterprise and it is, I thought, a fully realized Enterprise with a transporter room and a sick bay and your quarters and your red room and all of those things. Um, I remember my first kind of solo, the stage is empty, walk around through the set. That quiet moment of taking it all in and setting it as real in my head. Did you have a moment like that? And if you did, do you feel comfortable sharing it with us? Um, yeah, sure. The, actually, the uh, very first time I toured the Discovery stage, um, our uh, art director took me around and it was empty and said, would you like to sit in, in the chair? And I said, sure, that'd be great. I'd love to sit in the captain's chair. Yeah, and I plopped down and suddenly yeah. I, I, got, I, I got emotional. Uh, and I, I didn't yeah. expect it because I suddenly had this flashback to playing Star Trek as a child in my parents' living room. Uh, and I realized I'm still doing that. I'm getting to, I, I had this weird connection with my childhood and, and this realization of this dream I'd always had. And, and never until that moment did I realize how deep that dream was. Um, and then here, obviously, yes, it continues to uh, expand as we do our set. Um, and it, it's, uh, it is now a, a full <laughs> enterprise. We're built and we're actually... We get to uh, continue expanding as we go. Um, you know, Kiva came up to to a few of us at the end of last season and said, "What do you want to see on the Enterprise? We haven't seen what 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 decks and because you know there's all this there's all this literature out out there from canon about all these different places that are in the Enterprise that that have never been um, televised um, and fully realized. So. Um, we're, we're adding elements here and there as we go. I have a question for you, Akiva. We who identify as Trekkies are very well known for our, let's say, rather strong opinions about things. You are working with fan favorite legacy characters. You are working with a fan favorite legacy starship. Does our particular relationship as fans to the franchise interact with your needs, desires, and creative impulses as the showrunner? Well, you know, I, I, I've probably now said too many times that my first Star Trek convention was 1976. Um, you know, but it was. And I, I somewhere along the way, I think on Star Trek Day, I posted the program that I still have from it. Um, and, and the reason I say this is because there are very few things in life that I loved as much as Star Trek when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, again, I'm older than you guys. So for me, it was WPIX Channel 11 in New York every night at 6 p.m. Um, and it was instead of a lot of, as we say, Hazarai in my house, a lot of goings on, none of which were particularly pleasant. Mm -hmm. And this was for me, a way out yeah. um, and a way to imagine a kind of uh, life that wasn't available to me. 
Uh, and I'm not alone in that by, by any means. I, I found over time that a lot of us found it and then ultimately each other because of that. Um, and so akin to what Anson's saying, you know, we're making up a thing we love. And in my case, I'm trying to please the 12 year old in me. So you, you have to make the show for the fan in you and hope they're enough like you. Hope you're not such an outlier um, that uh, you won't get it entirely wrong because to be predictive or calculating will fail. Um, it's an emotional journey. So you gotta make a thing you love because you love it and hope that you're not just alone. Um, and you know, so far so good. Anson, um, you and Ethan and Rebecca all worked together on Star Trek Discovery. When you were brought in for Pike, did you, were you brought in under, under false pretenses uh, for like captain of a starship for some other thing? And like everyone I'm talking to, I'm, they're like, yes, I was auditioning for mysterious role and I had no idea it was actually Star Trek. Did you know you were auditioning for Star Trek when you came in to read for Pike? Yeah, I did because they, I had actually been talking to them about Lorca for season one and they very wisely hired Jason Isaacs. And then... Yeah. Um, uh, getting ready for season two, they said, hey, we got a new captain. Would you read for it? And I said, of course. And they sent me the material. And it was for somebody called uh, Captain uh, Parker. And I thought, well, that's not a very inventive name for a captain, but fine. And uh, I did it. My wife put me on tape and sent it in. They called me back, I think the next day. I said, okay, you got it. And it's actually Captain Pike. And I about... Uh, fainted because oh, I knew what that what meant, right? Yeah, um, yeah, sure. And then uh, what they <laughs> very wisely did not tell me that Akiva had already been talking up uh, uh, his idea for a Pike-based show. Uh, or That was my follow-up question. Yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> when I did you find God, out? Oh, thank God they did not tell me that because I would have... I I would not have been able to function. Um, they didn't, never really told me uh, explicitly until, gosh, I think we were already into making it. Um, uh, yeah, it was a very, very tightly kept uh, secret. Listen, I know how incredibly late it is for both of you, so I just want to end up with, I want to end with one question. Uh, uh, Akiva, this is primarily for you, and then a, a little follow-up for both of you to, to, to jump in on if you want to. Akiva, um, the transition from, uh, from uh, serialized writing to episodic writing, I, I know that it presents some challenges. I know it's exciting, but I imagine that it's kind of like learning how to sprint after being a very successful marathon runner for a very long time. Would you just talk a little bit about uh, uh, how that change happened for you and, and, and how you have met the challenge? Sure. Well, uh, it will be up to others to decide whether we've met it. But I do think that um, something became clear that has come full circle uh, for me, which is even though we talk about um, Star Trek Strange New Worlds being episodic, and it fundamentally is, we have a story mm -hmm. each week, we have retained something of the serialized type of storytelling that 
none of the purely episodic shows had. So the thing I always say about TOS is the problem with purely episodic is Jim has to watch Edith Keeler get hit by a car one week. But he's got to be over it the next week. Yeah. And so human experience couldn't carry across episodic storytelling. So you got more story, but less humanity. Mm -hmm. Now what we're doing is a little bit of both. We do episodic storytelling, but our character arcs are serialized. Um, and that gives you hopefully the best of both worlds. The last thing I'll say is one thing that episodic does give you that was so extraordinarily delightful about TOS is the opportunity to leverage tone slightly more significantly than you can in serialized because in serialized it's all of a piece and so to pull up and become a little bit lighter or to drop down and become a little bit darker has to be far more measured mm -hmm than it was in TOS or as we hope to do in Strange New Worlds, where the stories can surprise you, not just about where they go, but how they get there. Anson, in this episode, towards the end, Pike is in the well of this large sort of diplomatic chamber and gives what I know is going to end up being remembered as one of the great Star Trek speeches. It actually reduced me to tears when he's describing the second civil war. I've seen my future. Let me show you yours. Our conflict also started with a fight for freedoms. We called it the Second Civil War, then the Eugenics War, and finally, just World War III. This was our last day, the day the Earth we knew ceased to exist. What began as an eruption in one nation ended in the eradication of 600,000 species of animals and plants and 30% of Earth's population. It was, it was deeply affecting to me. When you have those moments, uh, I just want to know about the acting part of that, okay? The, the actor prepares part of that. You're giving an incredible speech, you're a great leader, you're a great diplomat, but you're an actor on top of all of it. You've got to grab the beats in that. It all just comes across as so effortless. It all reads as just, yes, I absolutely believe this man. I could what does he want me to do? I'll do it. He's really, really smart. Talk to me just a little bit about those incredible speeches and what it means to have, like, I guess, the privilege of delivering them. Well, first of all, thank you. Um, and yeah, I was, when I, when I first read it, uh, I was like, wow, man, <laughs> I got chills. I get to, I get to say these words. Um, it, it, um, I don't know, I had to let it really trickle down. We'd been through so much over the course of the pandemic and we had George Floyd, we had um, people marching in the streets. I mean, you can tell, I was very, very pleased that, um, that the studio and the network were happy to go there with us in terms yeah, of the, the, foota too. the footage that we chose to use in that moment. Yes, yeah. Um, because I think it, it it was a perfect opportunity to uh, juxtapose where we are now with where we could be going in either direction. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I didn't have to reach too much on that one. I, I just, listen, I just, I'm gonna have a fanboy moment. I absolutely loved it. It was deeply affecting to me and it is going to be remembered as one of the great Star Trek moments 
Thank you, Akiva, for writing it. Thank you, Anson, for delivering it. Thank you, both of you, for bringing us Strange New Worlds, for staying up so late to spend uh, so much time with me today. I really, really look forward to seeing where this season goes, and I cannot wait to come back and talk to you about it again at some point in our future. Thanks for having us. It was, it was fun, and good to see you. Thank you very much. In the original series episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, what does Spock use to hide his ears to avoid getting caught as an outsider? Is it A, a cowboy hat, B, a helmet, C, a beanie, or D, a fedora? Don't boldly go anywhere. Stay tuned for the answer. From the moment Star Trek Picard was announced, people began asking me if Wesley Crusher would make an appearance. So until August of last year, I told the truth when I said that I would love to do it but I had no idea if it would actually happen. This has been an unbelievably big secret for me to keep since then. There is so much I want to say about the entire experience. I could sit myself down on the couch and use that transporter clone of mine from earlier this year to interview me about it for like half an hour at least. But because I'm here mostly as a host and only a little bit as that guy, I'm just gonna take a moment of your time to tell you a couple of reasons this was so special for me. I love Wesley Crusher. I cherish Wesley Crusher. I am fiercely proud of Wesley Crusher. It is an honor and a privilege to be the actor who played him. My sad truth is that I couldn't fully feel any of those things for a lot of reasons when he and I lived and worked on the Enterprise. And when I was finally able to, I thought it was too late. I didn't think I would ever have a chance to fully embrace and appreciate playing him again. I didn't think I'd get to love being Wesley in the moment the way I love being Wesley in my memory. But I did, and I am so grateful. Wesley the Traveler is different from the Wesley on Next Generation the same way This Will Wheaton is different from the actor who played Wesley on The Next Generation. We're both still part of the Star Trek universe in a different way than we were. And I hope he loves it as much as I do. It was such an honor. It was such a privilege to share time and space with Wesley the Traveler, to come home to the set, to feel at home the way I feel there, the way I feel at home right here in the ready room. It was wonderful. And here's how it all came together. Control room, make it so. I am on the set of Star Trek Picard to be Wesley Crusher, who is now a full-fledged traveler for the first time in 30 years. It was a great opportunity to bring Will back, which obviously everybody wanted to see, and to keep him modular so that the story could tolerate a super being and sort of Easter egg and make the fans happy as well. Welcome to the Travelers. I think that people are going to be very surprised to have us back, <laughs> but uh, it was wonderful. I was so excited when I read this scene and saw the writers for Picard had taken the Wesley who has existed in my head for all these decades and canonized him. You've evolved to a new level. You're ready to explore places where thought and energy combine in ways you can't even imagine. And I will be your guide 
if you like. When we started realizing that there was an opportunity for Corey to go somewhere, that she had to actually go somewhere for the timeline to be restored, Terry said, what about Wesley? And then this really funny thing happened. For the first time so far in the Star Trek universe, people went to war over a character. The one thing that pretty much everybody wanted was to figure out a way to bring Wesley back to their own individual show. So it was a little bit of a fight to, to bring him back. We're using Wesley, you know, we're like, well, we want Wesley here. He's a next-gen character. Well, we're already using him. Well, we can use him too. Well, no, it's, and like, Wesley Crusher was the bell of the wall. But obviously, bringing him back to Picard was necessary because he had to return to, to where he came from. Hello, Corey. We like to tie up disconnects in canon if we can. Good luck, Wesley. Thank you. We like to create elegance where possible. Issa is a terrific scene partner to work with. It felt like we had been working together for months and not just for a few hours today. I just hope that it all comes across in the final cut. It's such an honor to have him back. It is everything I hoped it would be. Big job. Tell me about it. In the original series episode, The City on the Edge of Forever, what does Spock use to hide his ears to avoid getting caught as an outsider? Is it a cowboy hat, a helmet, a beanie, or a fedora? And the answer is a beanie. And you all knew that, and I am so very proud of you. Traveling back in time to 1930s Earth, Spock and Captain Kirk steal clothing from a fire escape in an alley to fit in with their impoverished Depression-era surroundings, unfortunately attracting the attention of a policeman. I am so thrilled to live in a world where new Star Trek just continues to premiere each and every week. Did you enjoy your Star Trek from last week? Well, here you go, nerds. Have another helping of Star Trek. It's brand new. If the premiere of Strange New Worlds thrilled you as much as it did me, you will be elated to know I've got us an exclusive sneak peek at next week's episode. Check this out. Oh, uh, can I help? No. You have offended Hammer, our new chief engineer. No offense intended. I was raised to offer help to anyone with a sensory impairment. That word again. Sir? Impaired. A human in my condition might consider themselves impaired. Hammer may not be able to see, but his other senses compensate. Compensate? They are superior. Uh, I've read that, among many things, the Enar have a form of precognitive ability. I knew you were going to ask that because you sensed my question before I asked it? Because everyone always asks that. Right. Well, that peak at episode two has upped my excitement levels, and I didn't think they could get any higher after this week's very full, very nerdy, double the Trek episode of The Ready Room. Y'all, thank you so much for watching. It's because of you that I get to do this, and it is all the more special getting to dive into this new series together. I have a feeling this is just the beginning of an amazing season. Next week, I am joined by the incredible Grammy Award-winning Celia Rose Gooding, along with Strange New World's executive producer, Henry Alonzo Myers, to talk all things Uhura and break down episode two, Children of the Comet. Until then, I'm Will Wheaton. And I'm also Wesley Crusher. Live long and prosper.